Health is everything. La salud lo es todo. Health is everything. Health is everything. La santé est tout. Health is everything. Hi, I'm Dr. Charles Raison. I'm a psychiatrist and research scientist, and you're listening to Health is Everything, a podcast from the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health. Spirituality is increasingly recognized as an essential but often missing component of optimal healthcare. But with its often impersonal and mechanistic focus, the American healthcare system often leaves the yearnings of the human heart for connection, meaning, and transcendence unanswered. Calls for the healthcare system as a whole to better incorporate an appreciation for the relevance of these spiritual values are important, but these calls often fall on deaf ears, or they're just impossible to practically implement. So what to do? Well, in fact, no one is better trained and positioned to help integrate spirituality into the American medical system than our hospital chaplains, who play an increasingly outsized role in supporting the emotional and physical health, not just of patients, but of medical staff as well. In this podcast, Maureen Shelton engages us in a wide-ranging discussion about chaplaincy in general, and more specifically about remarkable developments in the Emory Department of Spiritual Health, for which she serves as System Director of Education and Director of the Division of Compassion-Centered Spiritual Health. In particular, we discuss how the addition of compassion training to chaplaincy education has begun to transform the ability of spiritual health clinicians to meet the spiritual, emotional, and social needs of patients and healthcare personnel within the Emory Healthcare System. In this first of a two-part series, Reverend Shelton walks us through the steps of cognitively-based compassion training, a practice developed at Emory University, which forms the first step of training in the clinical practice of CCSH, Compassion-Centered Spiritual Health, a research-supported approach to spiritual health that is our focus in the second podcast in this series. Health is everything. Thank you, Maureen, for joining us today. I want to talk with you about compassion and about spiritual health and about chaplaincy, because all these things are so interrelated in the work that you do and some of the interests that you and I share together. Tell us a little bit about how did you become a chaplain? How did this all start for you? Well, it's a privilege to be here, Chuck. Thank you so much for the invitation, and I look forward to our conversation. So I was raised in California and United Church of Christ. And in that denomination, there was a woman pastor, which was pretty rare at that time. She was always inviting us to think about the world in new ways and invited us to have many conversations with leaders of different faith traditions. And as well as being exposed to many different traditions that I just saw, wow, there's so much wisdom And it helped me become even more grounded in my tradition as a Christian to see more spaciousness and availability to access the resources of my own tradition. So having that modeled was a great gift. And then one of my pastors was a chaplain as well. And he was just, to me, the embodiment of compassion and acceptance. And so it just made this role very attractive. And um, I um, moved from California to go to undergrad at Emory and was introduced to chaplaincy there through the clinical pastoral education program. And thought, as I was looking at all these different options, that this is the path for me to pursue chaplaincy, and then became a chaplain educator as well in ACPE. So I've been very fortunate to have this path. 
Talk a little bit about how one became a chaplain. So you get an undergraduate degree, and then what do you have to do? Great question. So you can get a wide variety of degrees, any degree really in your undergrad, and then you get a master's level in your particular faith tradition. And that's when you start to discern about what's the next level of education that your faith tradition requires. And then you can go on for some particular training, which is the work that I do here as director of education as well, director of um, Compassion Center Spiritual Health, that we focus on helping create a space for people to get four units of ACPE education to refine and to continue to practice the skills they gained in seminary in the clinical environment or in the field. Well, so, you know, you and your colleague, George Grant, who directs spiritual health at Emory, have really embarked on what to me is a a fascinating and very novel venture. Um, You know, chaplains at Emory are now often referred to as spiritual health clinicians. And there's been this vision of chaplaincy as spiritual health, as a, a clinical discipline, not just sort of an ancillary service, but that spirituality is actually part of what it means to have health as a human being. So there's something called cognitively-based compassion training. We call it CBCT. Talk to us a little bit about how you came to be so involved with that, and then we can talk about how that becomes a cornerstone of this program you've you've mentioned, Compassion-Centered Spiritual Health. Yes. um, Cognitively-based compassion training is a um, protocol that was developed by Professor Lobson Tenzinegi. As was he was a professor here, he came with 30 years experience of being in the Tibetan tradition as a monk and was teaching in the School of Religion here at Emory University. And during that time, he was teaching about emotions and, you know, understanding different ways of being in relationship to them. And one of the undergrads approached him and said, there's a mental health crisis that's happening here in the university. Um, could you give us something to be of help? And he went within his the Lojan aspect of his tradition which translates as mind training, to make available and make more visible the skills of building compassion. And he did it in such a way that it didn't necessitate any particular faith tradition, so that it could be for people of all traditions or who do not affiliate with any tradition. And he put together these modules, and uh, and it was seen to be of benefit that it did help people gain in some resilience. So it's, it's now one of the most researched protocols for compassion. These eight practices now um, are designed to kind of systematically introduce to people to skills to help make compassion for ourselves as well as for others more visible and have our capacity to lean into that compassion be more sustainable and consistent. So maybe why don't we talk about the eight modules? Um, Yeah. Walk us through it. What does CBCT do? Yes. So we have these eight practices. And again, just... Broadly, the first three being connecting to a moment of nurturance. First, we have to really tend our own sense of accessing a time of safety and security so that we can develop these new neural pathways to be able to access those more quickly and be able to rest in them and gain some benefit from resting in them. So it's not just a concept, it's actually a felt experience. So we practice that, and then we move to um, developing stable and clear attention. And this is to help us be able to have the sense of agency that we can place our attention where we want to, when we want to. Because we know, you know that we have so much distraction in our culture, in our worlds, and to be able to place our attention on something 
that can help reset our nervous system is such a benefit. And then module three, enhancing self-awareness, it's becoming, getting the skills to become more in relationship to our inner world, to the ups and downs that naturally occur. And to notice when we're pushing our thoughts or feelings or sensations or images away and noticing when we're overly pursuing them or becoming entangled with them and seeing how we can just be available in the present moment and seeing what information they have and bring that to self-compassion. And once we've established more of this sense of calm, be able to look at these things from broader perspectives and see if that can bring relief. To, for example, realizing that conditions are constantly shifting and that nothing is 100% in our control. And then once we've kind of worked on with this in our own inner world, then we turn our, these modules to our relationships with others. And this is where we look at expanding our circle of concern. Just like in relationship to our own thoughts and feelings, we might have thought that they're more solid and fixed than perhaps they actually are. And we start to look at that in terms of the categories that we place people in as human beings and looking at those categories and seeing if we can soften those to unlock more of this sense of our common humanity. And then we look at deepening gratitude and tenderness. So once we've kind of cultivated this sense of our common humanity, then we're moving towards the context of this common humanity that we are all infinitely connected in this interdependent web. And once we take that perspective and really dwell with that, perhaps we can get more of a sense of gratitude that naturally arises. And then we move to this engaged compassion to see how this urge to want to be of help naturally arises when all these conditions are in place and see how that can be fueled by noticing the different types of empathy and move towards more empathetic concern, which is the same as compassion, caring about it. And thank you for letting me talk for a while about that. But just, just this definition, just let me end with this, this definition by what CBCT means by compassion is a warm-hearted concern that unfolds when we witness the suffering of others and feel motivated to relieve it. So you can see how all those different modules contribute to that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So let me let me circle back and ask you, the first module, the idea of the sort of caring, supportive moment. What do you do when folks say, shoot, I cannot think of a time where I felt safe like that? Yes, thank you for asking that. We spend time on this module really trying to make visible the many different sources of what we're talking about. It's like a moment of strength, a moment of care, a moment of kindness. It could be from being connected to a moment of nature, a loved one, a friend. It could be a time that you were giving care to somebody and you receive care back. Or it could be a time that you would just imagine would be supportive and resting in that. You know, and we also emphasize that it's not about finding the moment of nurture, but just a moment. Thinking about what you just said, like that's such a wide palette of possibilities is really quite interesting, isn't it? That they may realize there's a bit more back there, even in really traumatic yes. backgrounds and things like that, right? That, that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just briefly, if I may share an example, mm -hmm. 
one of our participants had recently had a loss in her life of her dear husband. So whenever we asked about a moment of nurture, she that's the only stories that came to her was with her husband. And she was saying, I can't do it. I, I really want to, but I can't. I said, well, thank you so much for your awareness about that. But what she reported over time was that she would try it on in a way that she felt safe. And by the end of the year, she said, I was able to access all those memories with my husband that I thought I had lost because I didn't think I could bear it. But the skill gave me access to those in a way that will be a precious gift for me. (laughs) Wow. That's transformational, right? That you can help somebody touch something that was so precious to them, but too painful. I mean, we can all understand that. Talk about self-compassion. There's this sort of story early, early on, this idea that folks in the West didn't like themselves or hated themselves or that we needed to do something with self-compassion. But it's true that for so many of us, we just beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up, right? And so it's been interesting to watch over the last you know, 15 years or so. What started out when we first started doing this of compassion meditation became CBCT, this very specific practice, that there was this uh, sort of accommodation to the need to help people develop self-compassion. So can you talk a little bit about like, what does self-compassion mean in a CBCT context? What, what, how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so, um, but this idea of being able to um, pause and catch these sparks when they start, these sparks of old habits that cause us distress, because before I may not even been aware that I was adding on to my distress because of the way I was talking to myself about the inevitable distress that happens in life. So in self-compassion, we start to notice more and more when we're about to go into one of those patterns of thought or emotional patterns and interpretations of events. And once we catch that spark, then we add to that by saying, oh, Now, let me see if I can practice taking one of these broader perspectives and have that inner dialogue with that perspective to see if that brings some relief. There's many uh, insights associated with self-compassion, including, you know, accepting my limitations and vulnerabilities with kindness and understanding. And that's, you know, that's a concept, but, you know, that's how we need all these different ways of practicing through meditation, through mindful dialogue, through journaling through these classes to kind of get a sense of, oh, oh, what are the barriers to me having that self-acceptance? Thank you, Maureen. Uh, We need to stop. We've come to the end of this podcast, but I'm very much looking forward to picking up where we left off. And in our next podcast, we will talk about how CBCT um, laid a foundation for this remarkable work you all are doing in what's called compassion-centered spiritual health. So I'm looking forward to talking to you about that in our next uh, podcast. Health is everything. Thank you for listening to Health is Everything. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, share it with a friend, or rate it on Apple Podcasts. You can visit us at exploringhealth.org and follow the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health at CSHH or at Exploring Health on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Dr. Charles Raison, wishing you the best of health until we meet again. Health is everything. La salud lo es todo. Health is everything. Health is everything. La santé est tout. Estrogue est tout. Afianiki la quito. Tim Kondishiak ki. Health is everything.